This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. I'd like to say welcome to everybody for being here this morning. I appreciate you for participating in the services so far. and I'm going to invite you to continue to participate as we continue to study God's Word this morning. Uh, thank you for the prayers on my behalf. And it's my prayer that what we study will be edifying to you, will lift you up, will encourage you as we continue our Christian walk together. So for a little while, I want to talk about the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start out in verse 6 through 9. The title of the lesson is Be Careful for Nothing. We get that from Philippians 4 verse 6. You know, we face a lot of stress in this world. There's just a lot of stuff going on, particularly at this time, but really at all times. We have financial stress. We have health challenges. We have relationship differences. We have just all things going on, some self-inflicted, some not self-inflicted. There's always stuff going on that, that will continue to, to cause us stress. This stress can even lead to some severe, severe problems. Um, for some people, for actually many, many people, it can lead to medication for anxiety, for depression. They need counseling, need psychologists. You think about all these different things that we have in this world simply to manage stress. When we look at it this morning, we're going to talk about Philippians chapter 4, and we'll go ahead and read that. Philippians 4 and verse 6 and 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When it's talking about that word, be careful, you can look that up in the Strong's Concordance. That word really means anxious, means full of care. To be anxious for nothing. You know, we're going to face trials and tribulations in this world. Jesus promised us that. We're, going to, we're told that we have to handle certain things. In fact, in 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, it says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than the infidel. Paul is writing to Timothy here, and he's saying that we have to provide for our own. We think about that, providing for your own. We know that problems are going to arise. That, that comes with we have to overcome certain problems, certain challenges, and we have to do that. And providing for our own comes with handling these problems. We're going to have to put certain attention to problems or different areas in our lives that we face, and it's part of just life itself. You know, we talk about Jesus before He went to the cross, that He was actually worried. Sometimes people will look at this verse and be careful for nothing, and, and I have actually heard it. Some people use it to the extreme that it's a sin to worry. It's not a sin to worry. If it was a sin to worry, then we would look at Jesus, that He had sin in His life before He went to the cross. Matthew chapter 26, verse 38, Jesus said, Then He saith unto him, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. So Jesus, the night before he went to the cross, he was worried. He was worried about that pain and about that, that anguish that he was going to face. It's not a sin to worry, but what, what Philippians is really telling us is that we should not be so consumed with worrying about the problems that we face today that we ultimately lose sight what God has in store for us. And we're going to look at the attitude that Jesus followed that up with when he was sorrowful and what we can do with that. We're going to break this passage down of be careful for nothing and look at some really applicable steps of what we have as Christians and what we should be focusing on here to make sure that we don't let this worry and we let this torment uh, pass us away and that, that we, we fall, fall away. So let's first look at the, the phrase be careful for nothing. Like I said, that word careful means anxious. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Jesus is teaching these people at the time, they were so consumed with the daily problems of what are we going to eat, how are we going to lay by in stores so we can prepare for the hard times, all that. They were so consumed with that that they weren't doing what they needed to be doing. So Jesus rebuked them and he said, God's going to take care of you. You follow that up with a little bit further down in verse 31 through 33, Jesus says again, Therefore take no thought for saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He knows that we need to eat. He knows we need to drink. He knows we need to be clothed. He knows that we have certain things in this life that we have to spend attention, we have to focus on. But what does He tell us to do there in verse 33? Seek first His kingdom. Make sure that's the ultimate priority in your life and that you're doing everything you can for His kingdom and righteousness. And He'll make sure that you have everything you need. I want you to think back in your life for a minute. Has there ever been a time that you really didn't have everything that you needed? You know, we're so blessed here in America that there's just so much abundance in this land. We always have food. We always have clothes. We always have a place to live. We have so much abundance here. God continually takes care of us. And what God wants us to do is to make sure we're seeking first His kingdom. So don't be so caught up in all the problems of this world that we lose sight of His kingdom and His righteousness. The second thing it tells us there in Philippians, it says, But by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. When you look at that, that word supplication, sometimes we don't look at that too much. We know what prayer means, that we go to God. We talk to God. That word supplication is a little bit more in detail of how you go to God. And what that really means is to ask God for what you want or what you need. To go to Him and let, let your requests be made known. So by prayer and supplication, so you go to Him in prayer. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39, we just read verse 38, and that talks about that Jesus was exceeding sorrowful for the times that, that, that was about to bestow him before he went to the cross. And verse 39 says, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. There's a couple things I want to point out. Jesus did exactly what we're taught in Philippians. Instead of being so consumed with the problems in this world, Go to God in prayer and supplication. That's what Jesus did. He went to God the Father in prayer and supplication. The supplication was, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. That's what Jesus desired. If there's any other way that I can save humankind from their sins, let's do that. If there's any other way that I don't have to go on the cross for, for their sins and make sure that we can give them forgiveness, let's go that route. But look at how he finished. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He gave us the perfect example of as he's praying, he let his supplications be made known unto God, and then he finished that prayer, God's will be done. Whatever God's will, ultimately, let us submit to that and let us succumb to what God has in store for us. Psalms chapter 55, verse 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. I want you to think about that verse for a little bit. Do you really believe that? 
Do you really believe that if you cast your burden upon the Lord, He will sustain you? Because God told us He would. It's in His book. It's in the Bible. So our job, instead of getting so caught up in this world, be careful for nothing, but by in prayer and supplication, let everything give to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Cast your burdens upon Him. He will sustain you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will be with you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Ask what we need from God. Let your supplication be made known. Ask what you need, and He will sustain you. He will give thee the things you need. And don't forget, it's His will. Make sure that we're always praying for His will to be done. In James chapter 5, we have some tools that we've been given available as Christians. James chapter 5, verse 13 through 14, it tells us here, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let, him, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. James is writing to us here, and he's telling us we have these certain tools that we can use. If you're sick or if you're afflicted, you've got these things going wrong, pray. Pray to God. Let your supplications be made known. If you're merry, sing psalms. Make sure you give gratitude and you're thankful for God during those times. If you're sick, physically sick or spiritually sick, and you need some help, call upon the elders of the church. Make sure you let your brothers and sisters know what's going on so we can help you. So we have certain tools that we can use that helps keep us focused on the, on the things that we need to be focused on. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. We know that God cares for us as His children. We know it. We know without a doubt. If He didn't, He would have never sent Jesus to save us from our sins. He would have never gave us a way to be forgiven so that we can have an eternal home with Him in heaven. He desires that we cast our cares upon Him. So think back about this in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4 tells us to be careful for nothing. Don't be so consumed with the problems. Why? Let God take over those problems. Cast your cares upon Him. He can take care of those problems for you. But by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. That's the steps that we have. Instead of getting so consumed with the world, make sure we're focused on what God has in plan. One thing that sometimes I think we tend to leave out is this little phrase, with thanksgiving. It says in, in verse 4, it says, By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Sometimes we tend to leave that out, and we might just simply forget it or overlook it. When you think about that, with thanksgiving, what he's really telling you to do is count your blessings. Think about the things that, that we can be grateful for, the things that God continually bestows upon us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, it says, Strengthen with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. When you look at that verse, what does He tell us that we should be thankful for in verse 12? We're thankful that God has equipped us, and that word made us meet means God has equipped us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, which means basically we can give thanks that we know we have an eternal home with all the saints, that we know that we can have a resting place with God one day. Be thankful for that and make sure that we're giving thanks for Him. So when He says, 
uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Make sure we know what we're being thankful for. We also can be thankful for every good thing that we have in this life, not only the life to come. James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with, your, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good thing that we have. If you really stop and think for a minute, we've got a lot of things that we can be grateful for. We've got our homes, cars, relationships, our jobs. We've got so many different things here in this life that we can be thankful for. And God tells us in, in Philippians chapter 4, don't forget to be thankful. With thanksgiving, then let your requests be made known unto God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I want to think about that just for a little bit. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Why is it the will of God concerning you that we give thanks? You know, when you think about gratitude, He wants us to focus on gratitude. He wants us to focus on our blessings. Instead of being so worried about problems and give our problems to Him, it's the will concerning us so that we can stay positive, we can stay uplifted, we can stay encouraged, because God continually strengthens us. He gives us everything that we need. It's His will concerning us that we give thanks in everything. Give thanks to God. So that's Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. If you continue that down, look at the next two verses, verses 8 and 9, it's going to go into a little bit deeper detail. The next thing it's going to talk about in verse 8 is going to talk about a mindset, how you think. Philippians 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. He just talked about being careful for nothing, being not overcome with sins and struggle and, and the hardships of this world, give everything to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And then he goes right into verse 8 and he talks about thinking. He talks about thinking upon these things that are good, they're honest, they're true, they're pure, and lovely. You know, we talk about these things that that we have so many things to be grateful for. And when you focus a little bit more of your time and energy on gratitude, you will find more things to be grateful for. And think about being grateful for things. When, you're, when you have gratitude and you focus on these things of virtue, and that is where your mindset goes, you don't have time to focus on all the problems and struggles of this world because you're focusing on the great positive things. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that problems are still going to arise. I know there's still going to be hardships. What we're talking about through this lesson is a really applicable way to make sure we don't let those problems overtake us and that we can stay true to God even during the times of hardship. So in verse 8, he's telling us to think upon these things. It really starts with your mindset, but it doesn't end with your mindset. That's just the starting point. In verse 9, he says, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. Remember, this is Paul writing to the church of Philippi here. He just told them in verse 8, think upon these positive things. Now in verse 9, he's saying, take those things which you've learned and received and heard and you've seen me do as an example. And then there's that two-letter word that is a really big word, which is do. Put those things into action. 
So we can talk about mindset and we can talk about focusing on positive things and that's a good starting point, but we have to follow that up with taking action. We have a really good example of this that Jesus taught about in a parable in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Jesus teaches us here in this parable, you've got two different men that built a house. Of course, we know one built a house upon the rock, one built his house upon the sand. What was the difference between building your house upon the rock and building your house upon the, man, uh, on the sand? Well, in verse 24, it says, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. The, the guy who did the sayings of, of Jesus that he taught, he built his house upon the rock. And then you look in verse 26, Whoso heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them not. He's the one who's built his house upon the sand. They put the same effort in. One built his house upon the sand, one built his house upon a rock. You still got to build your house. They had the same problems come, didn't they? The floods came, the winds blew, beat up on that house, the rains descended. They had the same problems, just as anybody else had the same problems. But which one stood? That's the guy who built his house upon the rock, which is the guy who did the sayings that Jesus taught him to do. We have to follow it up with action. We have to put it into our life. We know when we're taught, we do what we're taught we need to do, then we know that we can build our house upon the rock. Finally, after all these things, it tells us, be careful for nothing. Don't get so consumed with the problems of the world. It talks about with everything and prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. It talks about being thankful, make sure we're sharing gratitude. And it talks about following up with your mindset and your action to put those things into place. Finally, when you do those things, you will have the peace of God. And I can promise you when they use these tools that God has so richly blessed us with, you will receive peace in your life. Now, don't hear me wrong. I did not promise you you won't have any problems. I did promise you that you will have peace because the Bible promises us that. Now, where does this peace come from? Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. We have peace in believing that we have hope through Jesus Christ. We have hope through Him. We also have hope in the power of the Holy Ghost which dwells inside us and makes petition for us that we know that we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost with us at all times. That gives us a lot of peace. Even though we face all these problems, we know these problems are only temporal. Jesus tells us in John 16:33 says, "These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world." Jesus knows that we're going to face heartaches. He knows we're going to face hard times and he tells us that point blank in John 16. He says, "You will have tribulation in this world. It's going to be hard." But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And we know that just as Jesus has overcome the world, we can overcome the world as well. Now, how did he do that? How did Jesus overcome the world? What does he mean by that? Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin with, which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience that race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. There's a lot in this verse, and I want to talk about just a couple points. In verse 1 there, the writer of Hebrews is telling us to let us lay aside every weight. When you think about that word weight, that really means like a burden or a hindrance or the things that just really bog you down. It's, it's a weight, the things that really slow you down. The writer of Hebrews is telling us, let us lay aside those problems. Let us lay aside those burdens. Don't let those weigh you down so much. And what do we do instead? Well, we look to Jesus. We keep our eyes focused on Him, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who created the things that we can believe in because He was the one for the joy that was set before Him. What's the joy? What's the joy for Jesus Christ? Remember that He was already in heaven before He came down on earth and humbled Himself as a man to die on the cross for our sins. What's, what's the joy for that? Well, the joy is so that He could save us. The joy is so that He could give us an opportunity to follow in His footsteps. That's how He overcame the world. As He continued to focus on that master plan, He continued to focus on God's greater good that was set out for us. That's the joy that was set before Him. And with that, He was able to endure the cross. He was able to go to the cross for us because He kept His eyes on the prize and always focusing on the greater things. So lay aside every weight, lay aside those burdens, and look towards Christ and follow after His footsteps. Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and 18, it says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so we be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul's writing to Romans here, and I, I just love these couple verses. He's calling us children. We know that we're children of God when we obey Christ. We're baptized into Him, that we become children of God at that point. If we're children, then we're heirs. And not only heirs, but we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You're a joint heir to all the fortunes and all the wealth and all the things that you can possibly imagine that comes from God. And that's the things that we can focus on. And then look at what he talks about in verse 18. For I reckon the sufferings of this time, the heartaches, the tribulations, the burdens, the weights, everything that we have to focus on and we have to put attention towards as of right now, they're not even worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. To all the great things that we have coming in the future, all the problems we have are not even worthy to be compared to that. So Paul is telling us, make sure we're focusing on these things. Remember that you're a joint heir with Christ. And keep your eyes on that. You know, when we think about anxiety, we think about depression, we think about all these things that people struggle with, it really comes from focusing too much on the problems here and now. And what God is really doing is He's calling us to keep our eyes on the future. Keep our eyes on the eternal. Not the right here and right now in front of you, but keep your eyes going forward and up. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1-4 through 4 says, If you then be risen with Christ... Seeks those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid in Christ and God. When Christ, 
who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. He's writing Colossians here. He's telling them, if you'll be risen with Christ, if you've been baptized into him and he's washed away your sins through his blood, then set your, things, set your sights on th things that are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection, set your love, set your attention on things that are above, not on the earth. So he's given us the master plan here of how we can overcome these problems, how we can really deal with all these struggles that we have on earth because we've been baptized into Christ, we can focus on Him, the author and finisher of our faith. God calls us to keep our eyes fixed on the eternal promise we have for Him. And don't get so, so caught up in the worldly problems you have right in front of you. So remember, I can't promise you that you won't have any hardships on earth. In fact, I can promise you otherwise. That's what Jesus said in John 16, that you will have tribulation in this world. But here's the steps that He's lined out for us in Philippians chapter 4, when you, so if you want to receive peace in times of trouble, here's what you do. The first thing is prayer and supplication. Go to God in prayer. Make sure you let Him know what you need. Don't forget to count your blessings. Number two, so remember that little phrase, with thanksgiving. Share gratitude. Think about the things that we can be thankful for. Share those things with other people. It's not just enough to think about gratitude and think in your mind internally. It takes it to another level when you share that gratitude with someone else. When you go to someone and say, I am grateful for you because of this. I am grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my job. When 